And this may or may not make sense to put in the end. I don't know if it makes sense or not, but, you know, Tracy, you might as well record this. It's recording because I'm smart that way. <laughs> you, you, you are so smart. You are. So smart. After you sent me that link, Abigail, you know, I went to the site and I'm like, okay, I'm just poking around, just reading things. And all of a sudden I remembered, it's like, yeah, when I came out, you know, got out of the marriage and I'm exploring my sexuality and having fun with other people, that there were things that would be considered a little, quote, kinky by some. And I don't think it was coming out of, so so I guess what I just want to be be sure that we also balance out is that if somebody has ideas or exploring things other than, quote, missionary position or even just the basics of oral sex or whatever, that that is not necessarily the result of trauma. Absolutely. And what you guys have worked through is absolutely the result of trauma. So again, at some point, if it makes sense for me and or Tracy to weigh in with our own little little minor kinky out of the ordinary stuff, I'm happy to do so. Cool. Tracy, however, she's never done anything but just basic vaginal and given <laughs> blowjobs. That's it. She's never been creative. For, for Chad, so we Look, did do a full I heard part. about the hot tub. That is just not true. You don't have that kind of hot tub on a pavilion overlooking a cityscape, and that's all you did in that hot that's tub. That's right. That's right. Hot tub he, sex he was is actually... not true. Hot tub. Wait, wait, wait. Hot tub sex is not true. There's well, it's true. It's well, true. No it's not good. It's not good. Well, it may not be good, but it is true. <laughs> and and I'm here to tell you from straight up ocean sex is a lie. Like oh. what a horrible decision that was. <laughs> well, don't get me started on fun with fruit. <laughs> fun with fruit. I love the veggie tales and I am going to work that back in. It's like the whole new take on veggie tales Larry make oh them my god crazy <laughs> oh fuck Larry let's talk about let's talk about Jerry and Jimmy Gord I mean they got the whole you know flange base and everything going on like oh. that's some good stuff I, right there I think we could make so much money doing <laughs> veggie tales I would 100% buy that I would 100% <laughs> I would buy those sex toys if a squash can make you smile. <laughs> yeah, you're the musical one, right, Chad? Oh, <laughs> Allegedly. God. Then we got to oh. introduce the radish. <laughs> you're listening to the radish on WCHAD. It's hot out there, but we're playing the cool zooms in here. Oh, it's so good. Okay, it's so all right. Good. We, we got to start this thing. <laughs> okay. We did. And so we'll figure it out. Hi, well, I'm Tracy. Wait, wait. I gotta find it. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, this is the best part, so it can come in. Well, laughing, I'll put it in. We'll work. I'll work it out. I know. Hi. <laughs> like you would with the VeggieTales sex toys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll like, put it in and we will work it out. And maybe that's the new title. <laughs> God ain't bigger than the boogeyman. <laughs> Veggie tales they didn't teach you about. Hi, I'm Tracy. And I'm Sharon. 
And we are feet of clay. Confessions of the cult sisters. <laughs> and we're already laughing because um, we've already been uh, laughing with our guest for today. We've got a doozy of a topic. We are going to be open up, looking under the hood, pulling back the curtain, ripping off bandages, whatever you want to call this. Ah, we're going to talk about stuff that can feel shameful, uncomfortable, scary, off limits, but it can also be pretty fucking funny. I'm sorry. Yes, we can have some fun along the way. And we're going to be talking about all this with two super brave, wonderful people. Abigail and Chad. Yes, but before we start, we want to give a warning for both children and for those who may be triggered by these topics. We'll be discussing sexuality in a very open and explicit way, so this is probably not a good episode if you've got kids around. We'll also be including discussions about sexual abuse and assault, ritualized childhood spankings, spiritual abuse, and more. So please use discretion and take care of yourself. So, Tracy, this idea about how the spiritualized, abusive discipline of children that was prevalent within IBLP, why am I saying was prevalent? I'm sure it still is, and just all too common in fundamentalist and evangelical circles, how this ritualized abuse Mm can be related to struggling with sexual issues later in life. That was something that had never, ever occurred to me. And when you first mentioned it a little while back, it made me very curious. Yes. So listeners, you will probably remember, and if you haven't, go back and find them, our four-part series on purity culture called Virgins and Volcanoes. In those, we discuss pretty open detail how we were impacted by the teachings of modesty and abstinence, that's what we called it back in the day, and virginity culture, which now tends to get lumped into one topic called purity culture. I described how that environment and mindset pretty much made me sexually dysfunctional. Uh, It took me decades to kind of unwind some of that. And then in our interview with Abigail and Abigail's story, which... In episode 10, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yes. And Abigail, you had mentioned how your sexual development had been so impacted through the teachings of this IBLP. And at one point, you mentioned sexual kinks. And I totally keyed into that. And I thought, wow, that is a deep dive that I think would be so important to talk about it and worth an entire episode to explore. So we talked to you and uh, we thought, (laughs) You're brave enough, and we didn't want to just have this with a fellow cult sister. We thought, let's bring in a cult brother, too, to explore this topic. So we have your friend Chad, whom we met in our last episode. Yeah. And so to really help bring this out of the shadows of shame, that's what we're doing, guys. We want to take this stuff that we've all had to hide because of the shit that was put on us. Let's take it out of the shadows. Let's bring it into the light of self-love, self-acceptance, and we are really, really honored to be joined by our guests. You are both survivors of the IBLP cult founded by Bill Gothard, a.k.a. Bill Gotthard. In all the wrong ways. (laughs) Yes. And featured in the docuseries Shiny Happy People. And you've had some very personal and very pertinent stuff 
that you're willing to share with us. So welcome, Abigail. Welcome, Chad. Hi. Happy to be back again with my favorite culty sisters. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you so much for having me along as well. I can't wait to see how this conversation plays out. Yeah, you you might want to hold off those thanks until we get to the end of it, right? (laughs) See how it all turns Uh, out. (laughs) Bring it on. Yeah. So, Abigail, you are the one that mentioned this sexual development, and it really caught my attention because I was very aware of Larry Tomczak, who also wrote one of these horrible, abusive spanking manuals for children. Way back in the day, that was called God, the Rod, and Your Child's Bod. Isn't that wonderful? Gross. Yes. And we touched on this in our last episode. And of course, The Shiny Happy People touches on it in episode two with a very graphic display of walking out what that looks like. But what caught my attention was the fact that his daughter, Larry Tomczak's daughter, as she grew up, brought a sexual abuse case against him for that very ritual. And then when you mentioned that, I was like, oh my God, this does really tie in together on how it can ultimately screw up your sexual development. So what do you have to say that you didn't get to say in our earlier episode? Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely a topic that, at least from my experience, I'll be interested to hear Chad's take, is is almost consistently brought up when you get in a safe space with other IBLP survivors where where things are feeling safe and comfortable and like maybe like three drinks in, mm-hmm. it almost always comes up where you start to talk about the fact that sexual experiences were very different after I left the IBLP and the cult as a whole. It, it took a long time to get my feet up under me and they're still not all the way up under me. I'm still very much learning pieces about this. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, especially with the whole, whenever you get with fellow survivors and you suddenly start being honest with each other, being like, okay, like, seriously, when did you start fucking? Uh, (laughs) 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 When, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's talk about that because one thing that we absolutely never talked about with each other when we were all in the cult was sexuality of any sort, especially a mixed company. Like even if it happened, I never experienced it, but even guys like hanging out with each other would never bring up anything sexual unless, unless there were just uh, some circles I was not invited into, but uh, (laughs) it was, um, it's interesting now that almost universally, whenever we have conversations with folks one-on-one and we get comfortable, we say, okay, well, um, what was it like? And you know, what's your journey been so far? So are you guys up for talking about what it was like and what your journey's been so far? Yeah, for sure. Um, And I can go first. So I think, you know, in the episodes previously, when we talked about my story, I think we really ended at at kind of the end of my first marriage, which was still very much in. And then... um, When you say very much in, you mean you were still very much in that whole belief system? Yes, yeah, still very much in evangelicalism, in purity culture, in those thought processes. And um, 
I kind of very fondly refer to the several years after that as my sexual renaissance period. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of a big joke among my friends and they'll be like, oh, tell us a sexual renaissance story. Because <laughs> I was just in a really fortunate position that I had a fantastic therapist who really sat down with me and was like, hey, so you're divorced. You're not a virgin. You are no longer holding very much to the traditional evangelical belief system of kind of anything about that. What do you want to do? Hmm. And I had never really thought about it. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. It suddenly seemed really like a big question. All the reasons I had had to make these decisions about my sexuality and my sex life no longer existed. I wasn't a virgin. Couldn't, like, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Like, it was done. (laughs) Um, I was divorced. I didn't feel like I was particularly saving myself for anyone or anything or any higher purpose. At that point, you had only had sex with your husband? Yes. Okay. And I was, uh, oh my goodness, I think I was 20, 27. So I was very bound and determined. I was very concerned that my divorce coming out of, uh, I was in the clergy. My husband was a clergyman. So I was coming out of the clergy and I was very determined that I was not going to post anything on social media, like not a picture with another assigned male at birth person. (laughs) Like I was no men on my social media for a full year. And I was really pretty committed to that, mostly for my my own sake. I just didn't want to deal with the backlash of it. So, and I really didn't feel like I was ready to date. Um, I had some really phenomenal, very close gay friends that I was spending most of my time with. We had made an agreement not to post on social media for that year or tag each other. So that's what we did. Um, So I was mostly just hanging out with my gay boys, um, enjoying like a really lovely fullness of freedom and friendship that was super valuable to me. Mm. Did you, And then I'm going to ask a a quick question here. Yeah. So you're, you still have your Christian faith, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So I was, um, I was very much in the unknowing at that point. I okay. I was still believing in God, but everything else, I was really unsure about. Okay. And you're hanging out with your gay friends, and I'm going to say something that may sound a little stereotypical, but I'll just say what my experience has been with my gay friends has been, man, they are just a bunch of fun, and they're not hung up, and they're free to talk and joke about things that are sexual that back when I was in the whole Christian thought prison, I would have gone, oh my God, that's so inappropriate. But now it's just like, oh, this is just normal and fun, and it feels good. Did you find that same sort of beginning with just the freedom of frivolity, shall we? Yes, hugely so. And also there was like this phenomenal like worshiping of my body going on Mm. because like they were like, oh my God, you look so hot. You're fire. Let's wear this. Let's wear that. Let's dress you up. Let's go out. And and there was a freedom Mm. in it because sexuality really was off the table, right? Because- (laughs) that's not what you do with your gay friends. And so (laughs) there was like this kind of season of really celebrating. I had, I had had a very stressful divorce. So I'd lost a bunch of weight and I looked fantastic, like (laughs) phenomenal. Like, you know, they say revenge body. Like I was right there. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was just so fun. And I was really starting to figure out who I was and what I wanted to look like and how I could move and just things like that, that were really amazing. And I spent kind of a year there. And then I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but at some point we were out one night and they just decided it had just, it had just been long enough. And they were like, listen, you've got to get laid. (laughs) And that was really how it went. And they were just bound and determined. And I was terrified And, um, you know, I'd never really dated the way that I think the average person thinks about dating. And, um, and I'd certainly like, it would have never occurred to me to sleep with somebody outside of like a super committed relationship. And so they, I don't even remember what app they signed me up for. It was probably Tinder. I think it had just come out. And so they were like, we're going to do it and you're going to go on a date. And this is, it's going to be super safe because you're going to tell us exactly where you are and geocache our location. And like, it'll be fine. It's going to be great. And, um, and so I did, I went on a date and, and I was terrified and, um, just not at all sure what to do. And I think we went on, he was a super nice guy, like so, so sweet. And, um, he was, he was a personal trainer, which was like solid added bonus. (laughs) And we went on several dates. I mean, quite a number of dates because I was just pretty terrified. And then, people that know me really well, this will make so much sense, but I think to anyone else, it's insane. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sleep with this guy. Like this is, this is going to be the thing. And so in my very business-like manner of how I handle my personal life, I was like, so I'm going to need you to get me full STI testing within 48 hours of me (laughs) before I sleep with you. And to his credit, this guy was just like, yeah, okay, sure. And he did. That's great. <laughs> Which is insane. Like it's insane. Like there was no spontaneity to it because I just I just couldn't do it. Like I was just like, nope, I'm gonna need like a clean, like like a bill of health. Like I like I was Coggins testing my pony. Like it was legit. Like we were getting ready to like ship a horse. And so Okay, okay. Coggins test for those who have no idea that's this infectious, highly infectious, fatal disease in horses. And you can't take them anywhere until you have a blood test and paperwork to prove that your horse is negative. So I love that. You needed your man to have a negative Coggins. A negative Coggins test. For his pee-pee. And and like I said, this guy was just like he was so chill and so cool with it. And he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. And, and so he did. And then I can't, honestly, I cannot tell you how the deed was done. Like, I really am not sure. <laughs> Were you drinking? Probably not to any real extent. Cause I was pretty terrified of being drunk with a man, like a straight uh. man. Like I was pretty terrified. So, and I was, I was afraid, like I definitely, but like excited. So not like unwilling, like I was just nervous. And I do remember it was at my place because that felt controlled. And it also felt that my gay boys, they knew where I was and they may have (laughs) actually been in the other room. Like that is possible. (laughs) I'm just not a hundred percent sure. But I do remember when the do was done, I remember like laying back and being like, oh my God, this makes so much more sense now. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that. So it was good? It was, it was great. It was just like super great. Like not as great as it would be later, like with other people, but it was great. (laughs) Comparatively. 
Yeah. Like I learned that there was like really great, but that was like solid. It was, it was a solid go back for it again choice. And, and I stayed with him cause I just wasn't at that point ready to date around. I wasn't there yet. I stayed with him for quite some time, I think a little bit under a year. And then he got real serious and I was really not, I was getting less and less serious as he was getting more and more mm-hmm. serious. And it was after him that really I sat down with my therapist and I was like, what if I just like dated a whole bunch of people and just told them all I was dating a whole bunch of people and they just kind of dealt with it. And I did that for a number of years. All right. What'd your therapist tell you? She was great. She was like, yeah, I think that's great. We had some really like deep discussions about what consent was because I really hadn't been in a position to where that was in my vocabulary. Like, And she just wanted to make very sure. And I'm so grateful for this. She's like, you can get all the way to the point that he is over you about to put his penis in your vagina. And you can say, change my mind and get up and leave. Mm -hmm. And she was just, we rehearsed it, like practiced, like saying, nope, change my mind. I just want to leave. And like what that looked like and safety. And she was so great during that period of time where I was really learning how to be open and safe. And um, I did require paperwork for like a very long time. (laughs) The Coggins test was unfortunately not just for that poor fellow. It was for, um, for many, like a lot, like, I mean, a long time I required paperwork. I think that's great, Abigail. I think that's great. <laughs> it's a new app. We instead of Tinder, it needs to be like Tinder safe. I'm telling you, if they would do a Tinder Plus where you'd upload that, it would go like crazy. <laughs> and for those listeners that haven't heard Abigail's story, we're going to put it in the show notes, links to that, where she talks about her marriage. And so obviously outside of that was not her first time. Huh. So Chad... Hey there, hey there, faithful listeners. We'd love a chance to listen to you. Yes, we would. We welcome your feedback, your questions, your suggestions for topics, or your personal stories. All of it. All of it, all of it. There are several ways for you to connect with us. We started a listener community group on Facebook. Search for Feet of Clay, Confessions of the Cult Sisters Community. Oh, Sharon, our name is so long. (laughs) It's it's so friggin' long, right? (laughs) But we're long in the tooth. We're long in our years. So I think we've earned that right to have a long name if we want to. (laughs) Yes. And along those lines, you can go find us on our website, which is confessionsofthecultsisters.com. There's a tab called Talk to Us where you can send us a written message or leave a voice memo if you'd like. It's pretty techno-savvy of us, I'd say. (laughs) Oh, we're so smart for how old we are. Yep. And folks, if you say something super witty or you ask us a brilliant question or... Or maybe even tell us we're from the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. Anything fun and interesting like that. And we just might put your voice into one of our upcoming episodes. Honestly, we really do appreciate each and every one of you and are so glad you've decided to join us on our healing journey together. Yes, we really do appreciate you all. Okay, folks, now back to the episode already in progress. 
Chad, we haven't really heard about you in your first time or where you were at coming to be okay with sex or not okay with sex. So, yeah, that was a um that was a major step for me. So when I first started finding my way out of fundamentalism, I was a lot of the impetus as well was relationships. I had had several bad experiences with not just, you know, courtship as it was prescribed in ATI, which was essentially a variation on arranged marriage, but also, you know, the whole dating with a purpose thing, which I Mm -hmm. still held on to throughout my finding my way out. And I had had several relationships that had gone sour and I felt like I had failed because I had been raised with this notion that you were supposed to find one person, only date them or court them, and then settle down with them and you're good to go. You avoid a lot of heartbreak and you avoid that whole evangelical ease idea of giving pieces of your heart away to people who are not your partner. (laughs) Right? So we haven't heard a lot from a male on this. Did you feel a pressure or did you feel you were so tight with God that you would know? Like, how did that translate into your head and brain and heart that one person is supposed to be your partner for life? It had a lot to do with, you know, just the basic teachings I was taught in the Institute and Basic Life Principles or IBLP cult that I was raised in. And also when I first started expressing an interest at actually settling down and having a relationship my folks gave me a copy of the book, A Boy Meets Girl by Joshua Harris. Now, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are familiar with Joshua Harris's book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm-hmm. I found it to be boring. But Boy Meets Girl was a different matter because it's about, oh, here's how you can have, you know, a well and truly blessed relationship with just one person and avoid all the pitfalls that temporary relationships have. And it was the story, basically, of Joshua Harris, how he met his wife, and the things that they came up with together. Incidentally, they're divorced now. (laughs) But yeah, I read that, and that was a big part of my formative, oh, I'm an adult now, I want to go ahead and you know start pursuing a relationship. And I tried it with one young lady who I basically presented this idea, and God, I was so cringe. I (laughs) actually asked everybody but her if I should pursue this and i and i i went through her levels of authority yeah so i asked okay okay so wait 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 so how old are you i was god i was 19 okay um you're trying to do it the right way okay so so <laughs> you're 19 and you are a virgin i take it oh absolutely okay just wanted to clarify that for the listeners. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- this was the first time I had ever like publicly expressed an interest in oh. anyone, which my folks being who they are and most of my extended family, they all breathe a sigh of relief when I said I was interested in women, which I had oh. been all along. <laughs> it was just, you know, I I'd shut myself off anytime that topic came up because I did not want speculation and I did not want people, you know, telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... Well, now I was I was in it, and I actually asked everybody from like her church friends to her pastor to her mother to her brother and everything if I should pursue it before I even asked her, and I got approval from all of them. You know, which again, looking back, was just so cringe. She absolutely was not interested. <laughs> oh, no. Sad. oh no, sad. So yeah, but but again, I didn't know much about consent or anything like that. 
And she expressed it in a way where she's like, well, maybe later or something like that. She was very nicely telling me to back off. And I, I didn't take it as I was just like, oh, well, you know, then I try to find excuses to hang around. Like maybe she'll change her mind. And it was not great. Mm-hmm. So eventually like, she told me in no uncertain terms. She's like, I am not interested. I'm like, well, I just gave a piece of my heart away. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I felt like at that point I was already sullied as it were. I was, you know, I'd already done all this and I didn't get it right the first time. So wait, I'm going to, I'm going to interject something here because to folks who are listening, who have not been indoctrinated and brainwashed in this purity culture, God's will shit, that whole process that you just mentioned about praying and seeking God and trying to find, is this the woman and going to all these levels of authority? I mean, you were invested. This isn't just, I have a crush on someone. This is, I need to figure out exactly, is this what God wants? Is this God's will for the sake of God's kingdom? And you go for it, and then she's not into it. So you've got to be questioning yourself, did I get it totally wrong? So not only have your has your heart been kind of a little bit of your heart broken, but now you've got this whole inner turmoil of, man, maybe I just can't hear the will of God. Exactly. So at that point, you know, this is this is when I was starting to find my way out of fundamentalism. I tried several different ways to talk to and have a relationship with women. I tried another dating with purpose thing, asking her parents permission and it didn't work. Uh, they actually put the, put the no on that one. Um, I tried traditional dating with someone who was raised in the Southern Baptist convention. And that was coincidentally my first kiss. Oh, She very heavily hinted after like four or five dates that she would really like to be kissed. And she did it in the form of a, a, a song that she strategically played on the radio. What song? What song was that? Uh, I Want to Kiss a Girl by Keith Urban. Oh, <laughs> that's such a good song. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I felt pressured to, because I'd always thought, well, we're saving that till our wedding, obviously. And I felt pressured to, you know, do it. So I was just like, well, okay, I guess we're doing this now. So I gave her a kiss. And that actually ended up being a big part of my deconstruction later. Wow. Because when that relationship didn't work out, because, you know, we only dated for about five months or so, I went back to the whole courtship thing and had yet another horrible incident with um, someone's very controlling father who would not let me, like, take any initiative in the relationship without running absolutely everything by him first, Mm. up to and including changing our Facebook status. Like, that was the thing that really set him off. And... You know, he took time out of his busy schedule to meet me at a Starbucks and tell me, you know, what a horny, untrustworthy person I was being. And at that point, I was about 25 years old. I had my own place. I had my own career going. And and it just kind of clicked. I looked at him and I said, why are we having this conversation? I said, Mm -hmm. this is between me and her. And I'm not sure anymore at this point what your role in this is. We are both adults. We are in our 20s. We are making decisions and I would kindly like you to know your role there. And he blew up and she didn't take it well either. So that relationship ended. And that was when I started bringing up to my counselor, like, 
I don't think I know how to do relationships very well. And I talked to her about, um, you know, all the issues I've been having and especially the, the one girl who I kissed that really broke my heart. And we did a lot of unpacking on that. And she was showing me just how there were several other toxic things in the relationship that I've been ignoring. And my final protest on that was, but we kissed. And she said, it's just a kiss. I had never heard that before. I had never heard that anything involving relationships or sex or romance or what have you was just anything. And that kind of clicked to me. I was like, you know, when you think about it in the long run, it kind of (laughs) is, you know, it kind of is. And you mentioned something as far as you don't even notice some other toxic things going on. And, you know, that's really part of the heart of this whole message that messes us up on so many levels. You're conditioned to accept toxic aspects of relationships. Yep. And and it was definitely present there. Like one of the things my counselor told me was you need to stop trying to date your mother (laughs) because Mm, every red flag she pointed out was, you know, had a nexus to some abuse that my mother put me through. And I was just like, well, that's awkward. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I really do need to stop doing that then. But that whole, it's just a kiss just really played over and over in my head. And as I continued my deconstruction, I was just like, well, where does that end? I said, it's just a kiss, but also, is it just a hug? Is it just making out? Is it just a blow job? Like how far does that rabbit hole go? So I actually made some friends in some online communities who were very sex positive, who had also come out of uh, fundamentalism of various sorts. And they pointed me some good resources on sex, how to do it, how to understand consent and everything. And I finally stilled up enough courage to where I was like, well, I, I guess I really want to explore this on my terms now. So I very cautiously made a few Craigslist ads and um, <laughs> this is pre app, I think. And um, eventually, you know, someone responded and that was really my first sexual experience. You know, she came over here. We, it, and, and I was, I was straight up about, it. I was like, you know, I just, if nothing else, I just want to know someone's, comforting touch. I said, if we just cuddle, that's fine. Mm. Because that was something I'd never really had as a child or an adult. Oh, right. I said, if we just want to enjoy touching each other, that's, that's okay. And if it leads to something from there, fine. If not fine, you know, but this is just something I really want for myself. And she responded and one thing led to another things escalated. And, you know, we ended up having, you know, my first sexual experience, which was awkward as you might imagine. Sure. But um, I remember afterwards, you know, just kind of lying there thinking, you know, after she left, I was like, okay, so am I supposed to feel different? Like, am I, am I more mature now? I had a slight panic attack, but then I was like, wait a minute, I'm still the same person. I feel a little tired and hungry right now. I could really go for a burger. <laughs> but uh, I was like, at the end of the day, like nothing changed. My countenance, as they called it in the cult, my face and eyes didn't change their color, shape or anything. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, that was just the thing. I mean, it was great. I enjoyed it, but I'm essentially the same person. Maybe that was just sex. And your soul was not irreparably ripped in two. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I remember having that feeling too in that first sexual experience of being like, 
waiting for the lightning. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like laying there, like in your post-coital haze. And I was like, feel kind of the same actually, except more relaxed and my hip doesn't hurt. Like, <laughs> just, But it was a weird feeling for sure. You know, when, when Chad just described that whole, like, I don't feel that different. My face didn't change. Like I, I definitely felt very similar things. And that's the tragedy of doing this teaching all through, you know, a young child's life, through their adolescence, into their young adulthood. It's completely twisted. And so you are expecting that boom to drop. You don't know what to expect. And I have to just say, you both are so brave to take that risk. And as Sharon pointed out, if you haven't lived under this, you can't fully appreciate the courage that it does take Mm -hmm. for you guys to take that step out because in many ways, you're proving it, you know? Will God cast me off? Is this, you know, the sin that I'm about to step off the edge of the world for? And waiting for it, and I can so relate, I think Sharon can too, because we did come out of this and it didn't happen. (laughs) We weren't killed. But you know, Tracy, the... The, this expectation, right? So we've got these two expectations. One is if you do it right, you do it the way God says, you're marrying for the kingdom, you come in virginal purity, you're going to have the best sex of your life. And your husband, now ex, what was it he said after he orgasmed inside you for the very first time on your wedding night? What did he say? This is it. Yeah. I think that's so, you know, I I didn't listen to Virgins of Volcanoes until after our first interview series because I wanted to be fresh for it. But I've since listened to it before this conversation because I wanted to know, like, how dirty did you guys really mean when you said (laughs) we're going to say everything? (laughs) So I did listen to it. And, like, I – that was so – I just remember feeling that in my honeymoon – in my first marriage of like, what's wrong? Why isn't God blessing this? Why, mm-hmm. why is this so hard? And, and being so disappointed in, in almost every aspect of it, that promise of virginal blessing by God was so just not my experience at all. Yeah. And the promise of absolute devastation to your heart and soul and the ripping of the fiber of your being and how awful it is, I love what Chad has said. You know, a kiss can just be a kiss. A fuck can just be a fuck. It can be something profound and wonderful. It can be something abusive and horrible. Or it can just be part of normal humanity. And it's the normalizing that we missed in these mind-fuck-controlling systems. Well, listeners, we've done it again. Woohoo, us! Or we haven't done it again. We haven't <laughs> finished again. Oh, we get going on the topic and it's just too good to cut short. And so instead of trying to rush and squeeze it into one, we're going to go ahead and break this into two episodes. Yes, we are. We will be back next week to continue this conversation with Abigail and Chad. And trust us, folks, things are just starting to get steamy. 
I don't know if we can handle steamier. So as always, if you like our show, please tell your friends about us. That helps us in the ratings. Yes, and subscribe and rate us and check us out on Instagram, feedofclay.cultsisters. Yes, there it will lead you to everything that we have in the social media world, including our website. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Adios!